today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Peter doesn't say, hey, if you've got a good master, submit to them. But if you've got a bad master, rise up in rebellion. It's your right. Is Peter ignorant of these things? I don't believe so. I believe that Peter is very much aware of some of the situations that some of the people are in at that time. And yet he says, hey, even if it's a bad deal, still be submissive. Peter understood. And he's not validating the whole idea of slavery. What he's doing is giving direction on how kingdom living responds to all of us, whatever our current situation might find us. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we're called to submit to each other. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that we are called to submit regardless of our earthly station. Practically, this means that if we have a difficult boss or even if we live under unjust rule, We are to submit to earthly authorities knowing that God is ultimately in charge. As we bear hardship and persecution with patience, kindness, love, and without fault, Christ's power and presence shines bright into the darkness. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, The Submitted Life, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. There's probably uh, most of you have seen, maybe you even own a bonsai tree. That's the Japanese version of the Chinese, the pinsai tree. You know, those little bitty trees that are actually supposed to be really big trees, but because of the patient pruning and care and uh, just uh, structuring of the gardener of the, or the owner of that tree. The artist really is what they are. They make a tree that should be huge, you know, like 40 or 50 or 60 feet down to like four or five or six inches or maybe a foot tall. It's an amazing little process. It's not the normal for that tree. It's brought that way because of particular care, direction, pruning of the one who owns the tree. Some of you may own or you've seen those uh, ficus trees. You remember, not the normal ficus tree, but the ones that are all braided, uh, you know, come together. You know, there's like four or five and they come together. Well, here's a newsflash for you. They don't come that way naturally, okay? Uh, somebody, when that tree was very small, very young, began working that tree, bending it, bringing it into the style, the design of what they wanted it to look like. Well, as we continue on in our study in First Peter, and we're in chapter 2, this morning still, uh, I want you to understand that Peter is speaking about a submitted life. All through First Peter chapter 2, he speaks about the submitted life, how you and I, as believers, as followers of Christ, we have to be submitted to that design work of our Creator. And we may think we're going to be something here, but he may have something totally different in plan and purpose for us. 
It's that idea of, of kingdom living. And kingdom living isn't normal. It's, it's not what we would normally be about. Our, our natural bent goes completely against that. You know, that, that bent toward rebellion, that, that bent toward self-direction. God needs to work and move that and form us and fashion us and yeah, sometimes prune us. Amen? Okay, there's about five of us that know what that's all about. So the rest of you, it will happen to you. You need to understand it will take place in your life. You will be pruned. You will be instructed and, and bent. Is If you are willing to allow God to do that, it's not nearly as painful as when you say, no, I don't want to be bent. I want to follow you, but I don't want to be bent. Well, the Lord says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be bent, okay? You're going to be pruned. And when we look at what Peter is telling us here in this whole heart of kingdom living, this whole heart of, of, of submission, we need to understand that he's talking about that in every aspect of our lives. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that section there in chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, that talked about submitting to authority, and in particular, submitting to governmental authority, even authority that you don't agree with. And I understand that that might not have been a real easy message for some of us to hear. And I know that we can come up with a lot of excuses why we shouldn't or, or can't submit. And yet at the same time, Peter tells us here, Paul tells us elsewhere, and yeah, even Jesus speaks to us about render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. The word tells us that because God put the authorities in place and by his sovereign choice, he's caused you and I to be born in this time and in this place, then we, in our submission to God, need to be people who are submitted in a multitude of areas in our lives. When was the last time you thanked God that you weren't born in the Sudan or in North Korea or in Iraq or even the first century Rome? You know, we, we, we're, we're born in a, in a great time frame right now. And are there problems and are there situations that we'd love to change? Oh, absolutely. But at the same time, we need to be people who are submitted to the sovereign work of God. This whole idea of kingdom living actually begins in, in Peter's writings way back in chapter 1, verse 13, where Peter gave pretty clear direction to all believers that we need to gird up the loins of our mind. And remember, as we spoke about that, we spoke about the fact that what he's saying, in essence, is you need to get your head screwed back on right, because this world will unscrew it and try to put it on incorrectly. So if you're going to really hear and know what God wants in your life, you need to have your head screwed on right. And you need to have your thought processes correctly. And Peter continues on with this idea of kingdom living. From there, he goes right on through to the very end of this letter, all the way through the end of chapter 5. And he knew that he was talking to, to pilgrims. He knew that he was talking to those that were sojourners, that, again, this, this is not our home. And he wanted to make sure that all of us, that we keep on track, that we get it right, that we're bent in the right direction and not the wrong direction, that we're not growing wildly, that we allow the Lord to trim us and make us what he desires to be. And pretty much over the, over the letter, he speaks in very general terms, but then also in this letter we find places where he speaks very specifically and very directly to each one of us. 
And he's telling us that in our response to what God is saying to us, we need to understand it's not according to convenience, okay? It's not according to our personal comfort that God gives these directions. But it's according to the kingdom principles and the kingdom directives that Peter is writing here. From chapter 1, verse 13 through chapter 2, 17, he speaks to all of us in that general manner. And then in chapter 2, verse 18 through 25, he speaks to servants or employees. We're going to be looking at that area a little bit this morning. In chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, Peter speaks directly to wives. In verse 6, or verse 7, directly to husbands. Then in verse 8 on through chapter 4, verse 19, he goes back to that general instruction to all believers. And then beginning in chapter 5, verse 1, he speaks directly to those who are responsible as overseers or elders or or pastors. And then verse 5 of chapter 5, he speaks to all of those that are under the leadership of those overseers, those elders and those pastors. And then I believe that from chapter 5, verse 6 on through 11, he comes back to that general instruction to all believers. And once again, reminding us that we, our, our lives ought to be lived out in humility. Our lives ought to be sober of of thought with understanding and clarity. Our lives, our understanding, our, our pursuit of the things of God ought to be with a vigilance that's not stumbled up by a few incidences that happen within our lives. And again, we're all surrounded by incidences of life, aren't we? As I was going around this morning, got a chance to talk to uh, uh, just a few of you this morning and asked one of you, how, how are things going? And they just kind of smiled with a kind of a knowing grin. Well, it's, it's, it's going. I know that. I, I know that understanding. I know that feeling. Sometimes life comes at us and sometimes it comes at us with, with a full force of a, of a mega fire hydrant. And you know, you, you're, you're expecting you to get a drink and suddenly the whole thing is opened up on you. And how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, beloved, I think as we look through this, The one thing that we're going to see that that Peter does through all of this, he brings us back to the one most important factor in every one of our lives, and that's the reality of Jesus Christ. Again, focusing on the fact that Jesus is our living, our precious cornerstone. Jesus, our perfect example that we should follow in his steps. Jesus, the one who suffered for our sin and he's now glorified. With kingdom living as our goal, the Lord Jesus is our example. We're brought into the kingdom by grace through faith. But now we're called to live our lives according to the example of Christ. So with that said, I want to go back to where we left off a couple of weeks ago. So now we're in chapter 2, verse 18. Let's read that. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of consciousness toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. It's interesting, in the Greek language, through most of the New Testament, that word that we translate as servant 
actually is a Greek word doulos or douloi and that has that meaning of a bond servant, actually someone who is owned by someone else. We use the word slave also. And however, as Peter is writing in this particular section, these particular words, he uses a, a different word. He uses the word or the term okatai. And okatai has that idea of household help or domestic servants. And these can either be owned or they can be just simply as employees. And I think that we could look at this section and we could say, yeah, this, this works for us today even as employees, that we're to be submissive to the employers. And like they say, not only the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. You see, when, when, Paul, or when Peter wrote this, he understood that in the Roman world, slavery was a huge part of the culture. Not a slavery so much by choice, but a slavery because people were brought into bondage for various reasons. And even within the church that he writes, he understands and knows that right within the same congregation, there's going to be a slave and a master sitting right beside each other. There's going to be a servant and the owner sitting right beside each other during the time of fellowship together within the body. And so what Peter is speaking here is he speaks in a wider range of this whole idea of the submitted heart, submitted First of all, to God in all things. And then understanding that God has allowed me or God has placed me in the place and the position that I am in right now. And so through submitting to God, I need to have a submitted heart in a multitude of things. And when Peter declares that he's be submissive, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, Peter understood that in that culture, some servants were treated very fairly, while others were treated extremely poor, almost to the point of inhumane treatment. Peter's not ignorant of those things. So how does that all work out? Peter doesn't say, hey, if you've got a good master, submit to them. But if you've got a bad master, rise up in rebellion. It's your right. Is Peter ignorant of these things? I don't believe so. I believe that Peter is very much aware of some of the situations that some of the people are in at that time. And yet he says, hey, even if it's a bad deal, still be submissive. Peter understood. And he's not validating the whole idea of slavery. What he's doing is giving direction on how kingdom living responds to all of us, whatever our current situation might find us. That's why he says in verse 19, he says, for this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongly. For what credit is it when you're beaten for your faults that you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. He reminds us that to be submitted to God first and foremost in our life, allows us to be able to walk in humility in all of our present situations. He says, what credit is it if you're beaten for your faults? You take it patiently. Well, 
there's been many times in my life i was i was i was raised in the generation that uh when you got out of line you got whacked they hadn't even invented the naughty step at that point in time okay you didn't know what a naughty step was we got whoopings for it most of the time my brothers got whoopings because they deserved it <laughs> somehow i got caught up in it but uh he says, what credit is it if you're beaten for your faults? Paul, are you condoning beating slaves? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that our hearts, our lives have to be lived so much above our circumstances that we need to be so literally heavenly or kingdom minded that in the midst of the circumstances that we're in, we can still be submitted to the reality of the sovereignty of God, that God is in charge. Persecutions for believers have it's been a reality since the very birth of the church, and it even continues today. And some of that persecution is, is just very slight. It's, it's relatively easy to be able to bear it, while other persecution becomes literally life-threatening. Beloved, persecution is real. Peter said, make sure, though, that the persecution is because of your faith in Christ and not because of your own foolishness or your own sinfulness. Peter ties in this whole idea of suffering for our faith as he continues on in verse 21. In verse 21, he says, for... Now, catch this. He's tying in suffering even... When you're doing the right thing, he's tying this in right now in verse 21. He says, for this, you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. For we were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Did you catch that first part, that Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. We're going to look a little bit more into the sufferings of Christ in a moment, but for right now, I want to direct your attention to this phrase, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Again, in that whole thought, that idea of the suffering, the whole idea of submission, the whole idea of kingdom living, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Some of you may own one right now. You may even have it with you, but I'm sure most all of you have seen, uh, the little, like the little bracelets, WWJD. Maybe you have a little plaque, WWJD, or a bumper sticker or a pen. What would Jesus do? It was a big move, uh, just a few years ago. You, just about everywhere that you looked, you would see these uh, t-shirts, bumper stickers, every, every way possible. But that slogan or, or some form of it actually has been around for, for centuries. But it did gain some, some big 
popularity actually in the late 1800s with a book that was published in 1897 written by a man by the name of Charles Sheldon. Charles Sheldon authored a book that the short title of it was In His Steps. The long title of it was In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? Now, it was a fictional book about Pastor Henry Maxwell and the congregation of the first Christian church of Raymond, wherever Raymond was. And as the story goes, in essence, I won't give you the whole layout of the book, but just a little bit of understanding. On one particular Sunday morning, Pastor Maxwell was actually teaching through this portion of Scripture in First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And as he finished the message before he dismissed the congregation, a man stood in the back of the congregation and got the attention of the pastor and the congregation. Excuse me, excuse me a moment. And as he's walking toward the front, he says in a very kind, very gentle way, can, can I just share something for a moment? And as the congregation looked at this man, it became fairly clear that he was a man that was most likely homeless. As a matter of fact, the story goes that he had talked to several members of that congregation the previous week and looking for a job because he had been jobless for a long time and had lost his wife and several different things that had taken place. And as he came toward the front of the congregation, he began to speak to the congregation. And he said, again, very kindly, very graciously, he asked them what it means to Christians when they sing the words of one of the hymns that morning. Jesus, I my cross have taken all to leave and follow thee. And he went on to say, I heard some people singing at a church prayer meeting the other night. All for Jesus all for Jesus, all my being's ransomed powers, all my thoughts, all my doings, all my days, and all my hours. And then he said, I kept wondering as I sat on the steps outside just what they meant by it. It seemed to me there's an awful lot of trouble in the world that somehow wouldn't exist if all the people who sing such songs went and lived them out. I suppose I don't understand. But what would Jesus do? Is that what you mean by following his steps? Following just these few short words, this nameless man collapsed there at the front of the church. And within a week, he passed away. Actually, early the next Sunday morning, he had passed away. When Pastor Maxwell came to preach that next Sunday, there was a noticeable difference about everything in, in his life. And even his preaching, they, they, they saw there was, there was a grand difference to it. In portion of his preaching, as he got into it, he closed his Bible and he spoke to the congregation just really directly from his heart. And he said, this morning I, wa- I want to challenge you as the congregation of First Church of Raymond, considering the impact of what took place last week. I want to challenge you to pledge yourselves earnestly and honestly for an entire year not to do anything without first asking the question, 
What would Jesus do? Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter, reminding us through this letter that persecution comes to every follower of Jesus. The encouragement to keep strong in faith in those times of trial is also a challenge, though. Instead of complaining, turn to Jesus. Instead of shrinking from the hard questions, embrace them with truth. Walking in faith and with hope isn't an easy task, but Jesus has promised to walk with us and give us the words we need to speak. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word, and we hope you're leaving us today feeling stronger in your faith. Before we close our time with you today, though, Pastor David would like to ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. You know I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, And God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David. And thank you for being a part of our time here today. Pastor David will return soon to continue studying 1 Peter right here on The Open Word.